Hello, welcome to Now Tell Us. Now this is where we have uh, people come and tell us stories and educate us or inspire us to do something out of the ordinary. And we always have great guests. And today's guest is one of my favorite childhood passions. When I was sitting down in my village and seeing jet planes fly past my village, I once said, oh, I wonder how that goes. Can I ever ride a fighter jet? And today we have a pilot that is going to tell us about that life. Welcome to the show, Dominic Teish. And I hope I got that right. Yes, you did. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, welcome. And it's such an honor to have you here to feel about, uh, to feel the air from your words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. I'm excited too. And I believe also the one who's watching us or the one who get to listen to us is excited to find out what's ahead. So stay tuned and let's get to the end. But before we get started, we want to know a little bit more of where you were born, how you grew up, and then you are going to fly. Okay, sounds good. Uh -huh. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Washington State, and um, my passion for flying started uh, at a very young age. We lived on the final approach uh, to an airport, um, and there were a lot of little airfields around us too, and uh, even a lot of the farmers um, out where we lived, um, they had ultralight airplanes and we, so I would just watch them. I was always enamored by, um, airplanes, probably kind of like you were, uh, when you were growing up and, you know, it wasn't something that I really ever thought I, I could do. Um, uh, but fast forward a little bit more at seven years old, I built a fighter jet on the kitchen table with my dad on my birthday. Mm -hmm. It was just a little plastic airplane. Um, I still have it. It's uh, it's something that I keep um, because it is something that definitely you know fueled that fire uh, as I moved forward. And um, you know, I think a lot of people have this erroneous opinion that that uh, all fighter pilots are you know confident and you know potentially maybe a little bit cocky and arrogant. Um, uh, so there is a lot of that. But um, as a kid, I was pretty quiet. Um, I was a pretty quiet kid. Um, I liked playing sports, um, and riding dirt bikes and being outside and, um, you know, shooting, shooting my BB gun as much as I could, I could do that. So, um, that was kind of my childhood. It was, you know, we kind of grew up out in the, uh, the country and, um, you know, my passion was sparked by just airplanes and, and dad gave me that little, that little fighter jet. Well, fast forward another five years or so i'm 12 years old and my uncle who was working for uh, alaska airlines he was an airline mechanic he took me out onto the flight line and brought me up into the the flight deck of a you know a big airline jet and at that point i think you know a lot of kids they they have mentors or guides or people around them that they see them doing stuff and they go oh i want to do that right so my uncle is a mechanic and he works around airplanes. So that's kind of the mentality, the mindset that I had adopted is that I'm going to be an airline mechanic. Mm -hmm. Well, that day was a pivotal change in my life when 
I was standing at 12 years old. I'm standing on this flight deck and there's these aviation mechanics sitting in the pilot and the co-pilot seat up front in the jet. And they start the jet up. And I didn't know, I didn't know that they were even allowed to do that because they were testing the engines out. So they start the engines and I'm standing, I'm standing there just watching all of the switches being flipped and the screens come on and you can see the big, you know, the front of the airplane, right? You can, it's the best seat in town, uh, mm -hmm. being the pilot up front. And that was a day where I think there was a little, there was another seed planted that kind of went a little bit like, Hey, I think, I think I could be a pilot maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. But that really hadn't taken hold until, uh, at 16 years old, we moved to Arizona where the weather is much more conducive than the Northern parts of the States where it's very cloudy. Um, we moved to Arizona where I started going to, to college and, um, there was a guidance counselor that had one flyer left for the, the local flight school. So I had signed up to become an aviation mechanic and she handed me the flyer and she goes, this is the last one that I have. I don't know if it'll help you or not. Um, so we went down, I, my dad and I went down to the flight school and talked to the chief pilot and, um, you know, there's always setbacks along the way. Right. So we're sitting, we're sitting in the chief pilot's office and he's discussing the program. And again, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty quiet. So I'm just listening. My dad is a businessman. So he's asking all the questions and everything seemed to be going pretty well until the chief pilot told my dad how much it was, the program was going to cost. Mm -hmm. That was a huge hurdle for me because, you know, I was working at a fast food restaurant, right? So I made, you know, a few dollars an hour and my car didn't have air conditioning. And, you know, um, I was glad to have a car, but you know, I was, I was definitely, I didn't have, I wasn't rolling in the money and I didn't know how to get there. Yeah. I didn't stop me, um, from pursuing my passion. And, you know, at 16, I did my first flight in a little airplane and it kind of took off from there. And then I was a civilian flight instructor for a number of years. And then I applied to an airline as well as the military. And I got selected to go to the military. And then I did well enough in flight school in the military to go down the, the jet track, uh, and then to finally get picked up and fly, uh, fighter jets. Hmm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. And, uh, Talking of watching, we all watch, even <laughs> as I said, I used to watch uh, from the village, uh, jet fly past, and uh, you used to watch your dad and where he took you and uh, all those people that has come into your life. But I want to just thank someone who is watching us also <laughs> and is going to learn yeah. from us. Her name is Nemi. She's watching from the comfort of her home and everyone else who's watching us. Yeah, watching is important. Watch and learn because uh, here we have uh, Dominic who is who is telling us uh, about a fighter pilot's mindset and I believe you get uh, to learn a lot when you watch and uh, here we are now let's go back a bit to your name I discover that uh, your name Dominic Teish is also uh, known as Slice I mean, you're also known as Slice on now. Tell us about that. How did that come to be? So, um, in uh, I think it's it's not necessarily a trait that is just uh, for fighter pilots. You know, um, if you're in a tight knit group, um, you you get a nickname, right? You may even have had one when you were a kid, right? 
And yeah. it's not something that you really, you don't, did you give that to yourself or did people start calling you that? People started calling me. I, yeah. My high school nickname, but I don't want to mention it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, a lot of times when you get a nickname, mm -hmm. one, it's not given or, or you don't get to pick it yourself. It's given to you. People start calling you that. And two, you may not like it. And, um, and or maybe you did something dumb that, that gave you a nickname. So yeah. I find that the the tight knit groups, whether you're a firefighter, a police officer, um, you know, if you have uh, a group of friends that's really tight knit, you tend to um, bond with them by, you know, joking around and giving people nicknames and fighter pilots do that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a little bit more involved. Um, I kind of alluded to it. You you don't get to pick your own name. In fact, if you try to pick your own name, uh, that name you definitely will not get. So mm -hmm. if you go, hey, I want to be named this, um, the other fighter pilots in the group will definitely not give you that name just because you asked for it. So mm -hmm. uh, fast forward, uh, you know, now I'm I'm in the military. I'm in my first um, combat unit uh in the uh, f-16 fighter jet mm -hmm. and the uh the flight that i was doing that day i was i was still learning right so there was a instructor pilot that was going to take me up and he was going to teach me some new things um people are usually familiar with top gun so what we were what we were doing that day was more or less dog fighting right so it's it's my aircraft uh the instructor pilots aircraft it's just the two of us and we're going to set up to where we where we cross really close to each other and as we cross and we go by each other that's when the fight starts and the person that shoots the other airplane down the quickest um simulated right so we're not actually shooting missiles yeah, I was, right i was worried i was worried for you down so they're there are pretty good computers that simulate um, how we how we take those shots. So we're going to we're going to do that. Right. So I'm going to you know, I had we had done a few sets and we had set it up again and, and I thought I was doing pretty good. Well, we're on the last set where we're going to do one more fight and um, the fight goes uh, like our aircrafts are going really straight up. So as we're going straight up. There are certain training rules that we're supposed to follow so that we don't get into trouble and hit each other or, um, you know, get into a situation where we, we damage the aircrafts or end up having to eject out of the aircraft. Well, both myself and I'll take the blame for this and my instructor, we broke a training rule and we were pointing at each other too long in the aircraft and we passed very close to each other. In fact, when I looked up as he was passing, his jet went right over the top of my aircraft. Mm. Um, so now we, this is real life. This is in real life. Yeah, okay. uh -huh. this is not a simulator. So he his jet went like we almost hit each other with our aircraft, mm -hmm. uh, and it was because I made a mistake. Um, you know, I think that he, he probably made some mistakes as an instructor. Um, but it was, it was, it was my fault, right? I was the new guy. I was making the mistake. So we, you know, fast forward, we have, there's, a, there's what they call a naming ceremony and the fighter pilots get together and they tell stories. And in my case, I had made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, as a lot of us do, but I probably made a, the fair share more than most new guys do. 
And so the stories were coming out and they had some names um, for me. What they settled on was Slice because the squadron that I was in was the samurai, right? So think uh, ninja swords, um, you know, samurai swords, right? And then they said, I also tried to slice my instructor in half, uh, you know, as a young guy. So that's kind of where the story came from. There's also a term, because people ask me this, I do like to play golf. And if you hit the ball incorrectly, the, the golf ball slices um, after you hit it and it's not good. And it, I didn't get my call sign, even though I like to play golf, I didn't get my call sign because I'm a golfer. I got it because um, I did, I, I broke a training rule, um, did something stupid and almost died from it. So, uh, the, the, the moral of the story is usually if, if you're talking to a fighter pilot or somebody that has a nickname or a call sign, they've received that because they've done something maybe that's uh, pretty stupid like me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we all make mistakes in life. And especially when we are young or when we are at our teenage or early 20s, we make many mistakes. Oh, and, yeah. And my idea is that, yes, make those mistakes, but uh, <laughs> let's hope that you get it through. And once you make the mistakes, learn from the mistakes that you make. And I yeah. hope you learn something from that. Yeah, those are some sage words. Um, I think somebody said the other day, a, and, and I don't even want to associate who this quote is from, but they said a a smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Mm -hmm. So uh, in my cases, I get older. Um, my older brother, he made a lot more mistakes than I did. So I could look at him and just know what not to do. Um, you know, even, even the business, you can see it here on the shirt, single seat mindset. We started this business or I started this business to get um, a bunch of fighter pilot stories in one place. So people can read them and learn from them. And if you read anything that I write on our blog or our websites or in the books that we publish, it's usually, hey, this is my mistake. This is what happened. And here's how to avoid that mistake uh, in the first place. Mm -hmm. But if you do make the mistake, here's how to pick yourself back up, right? Because um, Anthony, you probably can attest to this. If you're going to be successful in life, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to have a lot of failures along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but your ability to pick yourself back up and, you know, tell yourself that, you know, Hey, I failed in that instance, but I'm not a failure. And mm -hmm. you, you carry on, you go, Hey, personally, I'm not a failure. I'm, I'm just going to grow from that and move on. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, can you dive us deeper into a pi fighter pilot's mindset? We are willing to listen. Now tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the fighter pilot mindset um, where it started was during COVID, um, you know, people were, were on different schedules. You know, we didn't, we didn't really, as a community of fighter pilots, we weren't hanging out, uh, with each other as, as much as we normally did in the past. Right. And where mm -hmm. that really, where we really saw that affect us was the students. Cause I teach in the, um, F 16 schoolhouse. So mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm an instructor. I teach the young guys that come in to learn the F 16. We we requalify guys. Um, so we're constantly, uh, instructing most of the time I fly, I'm actually on an instructional ride where I'm teaching somebody, um, something that day. Right. Okay. And we had a class in during COVID that was really struggling. And it highlighted the fact that our mindset, the fighter pilot community is so tight knit 
and we hang out together so much and we share stories and we, we debrief and we learn from each other. Um, and it really affected that class. What I started, um, was single seat mindset. Okay. And where it started was, was me sending a two minute message to the student class once a week. So on Monday, I would send them a short message that says, Hey, here's, here's the message of the week, whether it's, you know, it's okay to be a new guy or, um, you know, I failed during this time. Here's what happened and here's how to, you know, avoid that. But if you do fail, like here's how to pick it back up. So it's just little short messages once a week that they could read. Well, after a while that got kind of cumbersome, you know, sending it to every class as well as running my businesses, being a full-time fighter pilot you, and you know, I have four kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, life got really busy. So what I did was I put it into a blog and then I started a website and then I digitized the program and an event, we eventually called it the competent wingman. So, um, you can sign up for it and it just sends you a very short message once a week. So that's kind of the start of single seat mindset. Mm -hmm. And as I, as it started to grow, people started to use that outside of the fighter pilot community, right? Mm -hmm. Which really surprised me. I had, I had business owners, I had, uh, large store managers, um, airline pilots, uh, athletes signing up for the program and sending me emails and going, wow, this is some pretty cool stuff. I can apply this to, you know, as a coach or as an athlete or as an airline pilot. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was very leverageable, the, the short lessons and people are so busy today that I've found that, you know, goal oriented individuals, they get, you know, if they're trying to get somewhere, they get, they get kind of frustrated with the, the rigid structures of, uh, I don't know, programs, right? So yeah. if they're stuck and they're not seeing any forward progress, it really frustrates them. So, um, I realized that outside of the fighter pilot community, even, and even inside it, but, but fighter pilots like myself and the online group, we have the largest online group of fighter pilots right now that is doing this. Mm -hmm. We're trained to make those split decisions at, you know, 800 plus miles an hour. And I, I think if you deal in kilometers per hour, I think that's almost 1200 kilometers per hour. Um, mm -hmm. so we, we make split decisions very fast and we're trained that way. We weren't born that way. We were trained into that. And those quick decision-making skills can be incredibly beneficial to, uh, peak performing professions. So like I said, athletes, coaches, uh, in aviation, um, business even, cause I own business. So I use a lot of techniques in business. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I created this large, the largest online group of fighter pilots that help action oriented people in short, impactful steps to leverage our techniques. Um, you know, like I said, to avoid failure, but also to help control their success in their life. Mm. Um, and I think our most impactful resource right now, at least is this, is this, uh, this book series. So single seat mindset, we published the single seat wisdom book series, right? So if you want to talk about stories inside that book, there's 20 stories each from a different fighter pilot. And yeah. we are publishing volume two here very shortly where there's 20 more stories from fighter pilots. And it's, okay. it's really cool because you can sit down and I loved stories growing up. Like your, your show, that's what pulled me in was, was telling me a story. And mm -hmm. I found that a lot of the fighter pilots would retire and they'd go fly for the airlines or they'd start a business or, or do whatever they're going to do, but their stories would be lost. So 
we capture those stories. We put them in story format in the book. Um, we're working on the audible versions of them so people can listen to them, but you can read these fighter pilot stories in 10 or 15 minutes and get some pretty impactful lessons and apply them to your, your daily life, regardless of what profession that you're in. Mm. And I'm curious, have you yourself been in combat real life? Yes. A couple of times. Where? Uh, mostly in the Middle East, throughout throughout the whole Middle East. Okay. Not in Africa. Not in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And so that 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 could be a story we will get in the book, and many others have been in uh, places yes. where they've experiences that they share in the book. I guess. Yes. So there's there are stories that range from um, combat stories mm -hmm. with a very impactful lesson at the end. There are um, fighter pilots that have learned something th through their career and their their story or their idea is more of a lesson versus mm -hmm. an actual, um, you know, so some somebody might be just, just going, hey, if I could start over again, these are some of the things I would have thought about and here's my lesson. Um, you know, there uh, some of the stories that get a lot of traction are the, the ones written by female fighter pilots because... Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of girls that want to fly airplanes and, you know, the, the lion's share of pilots are male. So yeah. that really empowers even females. It inspires them to go, well, I can do that too. Um, we got a really cool story coming up in this next book. She's a female fighter pilot. Not only was she a female fighter pilot, but she flew for the Air Force Thunderbirds. And that is a very prestigious position. I mean, there are those those pilots, they fly very close together. They travel all over the world and they do air shows. Um, and it's a very intense selection process, but she, she has a great message. Um, and I think it'll inspire a lot of, um, females as well as, you know, there's, there's plenty of, um, dudes like myself that were growing up and I just, I needed a, I needed somebody to say, you can do that, mm -hmm. you know, give it a shot. And if I may ask, what's that? feeling of uh, coming out from your home and knowing that there are chances of you not coming back? So I think, um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a mindset that you, you grow into or if you just forget about it. Mm. Um, but that thought rarely crosses my mind if ever. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's just a mindset or if the way that, you know, becoming a pilot, even a civilian pilot is, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of study that goes into it mm -hmm. and, you know, becoming a fighter pilot, it's years to even get to your first combat squadron. Cause there's, there's so much training before you even get there. Mm -hmm. So the reason I say that is because the time the timeline to become a pilot is so long and, and you start out flying with another person that's been there and done that. Yeah. Uh, I honestly never, I don't even know if I've ever had, had that thought, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's just, I never allowed myself to have that thought. Um, but I'm not really thinking about not coming home. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a positive thinker. So I'm like, I'm going to go fly and then I'm going to come back. Whoa. And if, if things happen on, you know, during the time of the flight where there's maybe an emergency or something like that, we'll figure it out the best we can. And then, um, our aircraft have very high 
tech um, ejection seats. So if things go terribly wrong, um, you can, there's a rocket motor under the seat and you can actually eject out of the airplane and there's a big parachute that you come down in. So um, I don't know. That's a good question. I've, Anthony, I've never, <laughs> I've never thought uh, of that. And I'm seeing that Victoria asked a question. Do you want to answer that one or do you want me to answer that one? No, that's your question. I yeah. Mean, you, I go yeah. So, it. I mean, it depends on if you are, if you're becoming a civilian pilot versus uh, a military pilot. So let's answer the civilian pilot track question first. So if you're learning to fly in the civilian sector, there are, I mean, it can take you years. Or if you are like me, I flew almost every single day, right? So I was, it, it really depends on there. So there's a, there's a minimum amount of hours that you have to fulfill to get your, the different ratings. Um, and there's so many different paths you can take. So let's say that you just want to be a private pilot and you just want to fly airplanes for fun by yourself, maybe take up your friends every once in a while. Um, you know, you could easily become a private pilot in less than a year, very easily. If you applied yourself, you took the right ground school classes, um, and you wouldn't even have to fly every day. I mean, you could probably fly once a week for a year, maybe, maybe once or twice a week for a year, mm. um, you'll meet the minimum hour requirements. And then, um, I found that when I was a civilian flight instructor, I had, <laughs> I had at one point I had 12 students at a time. So I had, you know, I probably taught maybe 40 people how to fly airplanes before I joined the military and exactly zero people were able to pass their check ride for certification with the minimum hours. So what I'm getting at is that's the minimum. Generally speaking, um, people need a little bit more flight time before they are comfortable enough or good enough or proficient enough to pass their check ride. So that's the private pilot um, uh, path. Essentially, if you want to be a commercial pilot and fly for the airlines, um, it, it does take a little bit longer. Like I said, it depends on how much money and time you're able to devote to it. So if you're if you're only going to school to be a pilot and you're devoting all your time to that, I could easily see in, in definitely less than two years, you could get all of those certifications done. Um, now you, you won't have enough hours to go fly for a major airline. So that's generally why a lot of younger pilots end up flying and doing civilian flight instruction lessons. That's how they build their time, their experience. Now the military side, again, that's, that's kind of, um, I'll give you some generalities, but if you want to be a military pilot, once you enter, um, it's probably about, uh, two years, um, by the time you're, you're in your first unit and you're actually, you know, flying aircraft for something and you're not just training and learning. Um, and that's very generic. I I'm assuming the question is, uh, more civilian oriented, um, now to be an instructor uh, in the military, it does take several more years even after that because you just need a lot of experience um, and hours and that just takes time. Um, but to answer the question, to be certified is one thing and you know, probably less than a year if you wanna be a private pilot, a commercial pilot is probably, you know, you could probably get it done in two years and then you have to build your hours and I think it's 1500 flight hours in order to fly for uh, a major airline. You can fly for smaller outfits prior to that, but 
um, those are kind of the, hopefully I answer the question, uh, Victoria on that one. Thank you for that answer. And uh, thank you, Victoria, for the question. And anybody who be uh, maybe watching us or listening, even after we are through with this, you can always uh, shoot a question to Dominic and he can always follow up with you with an answer. Uh, yeah. And Victoria just said she's encouraging her daughter. We have, um, we have a it's completely free. If they go to singleseatmindset.com, and I'm getting ahead of myself, there's a the competent wingman program that I had alluded to earlier. Um, they can just click on that program and sign up. And there's there's tons of aviation lessons in there, and there's there's lessons about just how to succeed in life um, that could be really beneficial. And there's there's other resources, pilot resources as well. Um, you know, on there, uh, that people can use. Um, so I encourage you, um, check it out and give me your feedback and you can also hit contact me on there and get a hold of me there as well. If you have other questions. So once again, thank you very much, uh, Dominic and, uh, Victoria, you can always follow up with, uh, Dominic at www.singleseatmindset.com. It's right there. Just go and connect and get the resources that are there that are going to be beneficial to you. And I'm, I'm going back to the question that I asked and the answer that you gave of uh, not thinking of failure. So I'm focusing on this person wants to start a business or wants to go to a place and then he places doubts before him. I mean, you should have a fighter pilot's mindset going at it without that idea of a failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, going I mean... If somebody's going to start um, a business or or do something, I, I you know I I would say too that I I don't know if I feared failure. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it was there. I knew it was a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think I would just change the fear into the concept that we talked about earlier, which is you're you're probably going to have failures, but don't let those failures define you as a person. May, mm -hmm. those are those are events right so those events where you fail um i i just i reframe the way that i talk about failures and i either i either um learn or i succeed so i consider failures a learning moment versus an actual failure so that's how i define it is when i fail because i failed in, in um i had a business fail actually that i owned um and i you know learned a lot from it but i've had um, two other businesses succeed, right? But I learned stuff from the failures of my first business. And I'm even saying it right now is that was a learning moment for me. Right? Mm -hmm. It was, well, that didn't work. What, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm a failure as a human being. I know that I can succeed. Um, and I think even, I don't remember the exact statistic, but if you think about, you know, like Michael Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. One of the best basketball players of all time. I think that he, his, shooting average was about, it was under 30%. Um, I think like if you look at his entire career and don't quote me on that, but mm -hmm. more than 50% of the time he would miss the shot. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else said, I think it was, um, a hockey player, maybe uh, Wayne Gretzky, maybe I, I don't know. I'm misquoting this one as well, but, um, you will miss all of the shots that you don't take. So yeah. the point being take that first step right? 
And as you take that first step, that will lead you down a path. You may end up on another path, but you can find your way from there. Mm, thank you. And something that we have to pay much attention to, something that Dominic told us earlier on, is have a mentor, have someone that inspires you in the direction that you want to go. Like he was uh, seeing those people who are flying. So if you want to fly, have a mentor, have someone that uh, instills that fire in you to go after yeah. it. And after that, go for training, have, yeah. a, have a coach, have a, go to yeah. school, get a, a course, an online course, or do something. Don't just go into it blindly, but have, yeah. uh, have, have a guided uh, instructor, I mean, a guided tour, a guided journey. Yeah. It's important. Yes, very true. Yeah. So I know we've much that we could share, but I remembered something that I could have uh, asked. Uh, then we are going to close this uh, show. The question was, in the book that you've already published that has 20 stories, do you have a favorite one? Hmm. So I actually wrote a story in there and I will say right up front, it's not, my story is not my favorite. Um, okay. <laughs> um, there, so there, I've been asked that question before and I have, I'm, I'm biased because I compiled all the stories. Um, but because Victoria um, decided to um, ask a question about inspiring her daughter, Let's talk about um, the story written by uh, Smoke. Her name is Smokin, um, and she's she was a collegiate athlete. And her chapter title is called "Stubborn Grit." Okay. okay, so she was stubborn, right? She was told her story, um, and I'm not going to spoil the ending to it. But but in life, as you are starting out, the people that are maybe jealous or that want to prevent you from, from meeting your goals, or they, they want you to be safe and they don't want you to, you know, go outside of the societal norms. They'll give you bad advice and they'll tell you that you can't do that. And her stubborn grit was, well, I'm going to try and I'm going to try again and I'm going to keep doing it because I'm going to put my mind to it. Right. And there were a ton of hurdles in her story, which it's, it's, it's pretty enlightening. Um, her path and how she made it and how well she's even doing now. Um, but it's the, the idea goes a little bit like this, where if somebody's telling that you can't do it, you have to think about who that individual is. Mm -hmm. All right. And many times that I was told that I can't be a fighter pilot, the person telling me that was not a fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. And in college where it really changed was this guy, his call sign was Harley and his last name is Davidson. So Harley Davidson actually said, he, I, I told him I was taking flight lessons and I really want to be a fighter pilot, but I didn't think I could do it because I didn't know the path. And he looked at me and he said, hell kid, I did it. You can do it. And mm -hmm. that was a guy that gave me the permission. He was the coach, the guide that I needed to just go, Oh, I can do that. I can take the action and make that happen. And so smoking Sharon, her story, uh, in the book kind of follows that same narrative of well, you can't do it, but I'm going to try and I'm going to do it. Right. And having that mindset to start out and take the right action for it. Oh, wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. So we thank you and we thank uh, every viewer, every listener, and those who get to listen to us after we are through. Remember to go to singleseatmindset.com and connect with uh, Dominic for more. 
don't forget that, get the book, get the course, get everything that uh, Dominic has to offer because he's been there, he's done that, and he can give it to you. Also, if you'd like to get to see the past episodes and future episodes, go to nowtellers.com and subscribe there, and we'll be glad that you did. And uh, that's about it for now. But before we go, we always ask our guests to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. This is your time, Dominic. I'd say the few words uh, that really defined um, my purpose in life um, and where a lot of things changed was um, two things. It was um, an increase in spirituality and connecting with something you know outside of just me, right? Um, so giving back. So those two things is spiritual and um, connecting with God and and then giving back. So with single seat mindset, any money that we make in that business, we give to a um, children's um, cancer uh, foundation to help children going through cancer treatment. So that's our way to give back monetarily. Um, our books give back to their readers. Um, and then our purpose is rooted in Christian spirituality. And that that really has given us a lot of, uh, you know, guidance um, through it lets you weather those storms, right? When when things go wrong and it's outside of yourself, it's not about you anymore. You're you're helping people. So you can roll out of bed and when your feet hit the ground, you're running because your purpose is rooted in something that's much bigger than just uh, yourself. Wow. I love that. It's not just about me. It's me connected to God, serving yeah. others. This yeah. is three-dimensional. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. We really Thanks for having it. me. Yes. So that's it for now. And uh, now tell us today has been very wonderful together with Dominic. I've been your host and we are out of this place. And we are saying bye for now. <laughs> bye. <laughs>